0: Hi, guys, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. The season is over. Did you like it? What about that last five seconds, eh? Didn't that lift the finale? (laughs) It sure did. I'm Gareth, coming to you from the heart of North Yorkshire, England, currently in the mobile studio, but this whole podcast does not come from the mobile studio. As I talked about last week, I invited a couple of guests on to talk about the finale and talk about it we did. And we also, well, we talked to death the season in general and we even touched on previous seasons and made a few predictions or hopes and fears for what's yet to come. But wow, what about the finale, eh? Yeah, those last five seconds. (laughs) It sure as hell lifted the episode, didn't it? Wow, well, we'll be getting into that. Uh, But first, I just wanted to do. I just wanted to go over a bit of the feedback that came in in between episodes. And the reason being, I normally obviously stick all the feedback into one big section, uh, but I've had a lot of feedback for the finale, not surprisingly. And I will be doing a dedicated finale feedback episode, hopefully next week, all being well. So I just wanted to kind of separate the feedback. Well, not some, not necessarily late feedback, although some of it was, uh, but <laughs> in fact a couple of items came in as I was literally uploading uh, last week's show, so uh, sorry guys, uh, just missing the boat there. Uh, so let's get into that now, firstly, because um, I'm kind of waffling a bit, <laughs> uh, f- firstly thanks to a new iTunes review, uh, which I wouldn't have found, because I must admit I don't check the uh, German iTunes store to look at reviews for the podcast uh it was only because uh, i'd had an email from a listener in germany but it was an email that was relevant to season two so when i get back to the rewatches i will read this listener's email uh but she was kind enough to leave, i assume it was her <laughs> kind enough to leave a, a nice five-star review on the german itunes and what a fantastic username on itunes von Schnubschnuff. <laughs> that's that's one of the best usernames I've seen on there ever. <laughs> so thanks for that. Um, let's get into some of the feedback now that was, as I say, in between episodes, in between 11 and 12. Uh, some of it predicting for the finale and some of it reacting to episode 11.
1: Hey, Gareth. It's Matt from London. Oh, sorry about the last few voicemails. I guess I've been missing the ball a lot studies and everything, been catching up and losing time. Right, uh, where to start with this episode? Let's start with the worst. Dexter and Deborah. Gross. I actually wanted to, like, um, bleach my brain during that noodle scene. It was disgustingly cringe-worthy. Whoever suggested that idea needs shooting. Or sectioning. One of the two. There's just something wrong here. They've been established for the last five and a half seasons as brother and sister. Why suddenly change that dynamic? It just seems like such a weird angle to take. It's pathetic. Everything else about the, the episode was fantastic. Uh, they seem to be opening Dev up to finding out his secret, which I like. You know, the fact he's now killed somebody in front of her, essentially, with the uh, gas lady. Can't remember her name. Not worth remembering. Um, that was nice. That was good. You know, it's sort of opening up the fact that he can do these things without remorse, and they haven't really touched on that yet. Maybe they will in the finale, I hope so. Um, my other big gripe is with the Dexter voiceovers. Obvious much? Some of them are, are nice, and some of them work, but most of them are just stating what we already know. The um, you know, I'm setting the stage for Travis's final tableau. I can see the writer's trying to be elegant, but he's really missed the ball there. It just doesn't work. Keep the voiceovers to a minimum. Apart from that, the episode was great. I liked the setup, the Ring of Fire and everything. It really works. And I'm finding BDK a lot more interesting now that the whole is he real, isn't he real thing is lifted. I can finally enjoy seeing Colin Hanks in a completely different character, which is great. Finale looks like it's shaping up to be a good one. I'm going to completely ignore the Dexter, Deborah thing. If it goes down with them actually having a full-on relationship, that's actually enough to make me want to give up on the show. There are just some lines you don't cross. And for me, that really is one of them.
0: Thanks, Matt. Yours indeed was one of the items that came in as I was uploading last week's show. Uh, You talked there about the Deb Dexter love angle. Uh, Yeah, indeed. You echo my feeling about it. It was a very radical angle to take. They've been brother-sister all this time. Why do they need to change that now? They're not blood-related, but they're as good as... Why shouldn't they always just have a nice normal brother-sister relationship? Well, I I use the word normal in inverted commas. (laughs) I agree. Well, this sort of thing happens in real life. That adoptive brothers and sisters have been known to get romantically involved. Which biologically, you could argue, is (laughs) is okay. Um, Ethically, I don't know. Not so much from my own point of view. (laughs) I don't quite buy into that. But, you know. So, yeah, while this happens sometimes in real life, it feels like a very strange creative decision to make. And I have to ask, is it really absolutely necessary? Scott Bark seems to think it was a natural direction to take when they considered Deb's history, her track record with men, and her overall psychology. And will her being in love with Dexter make her any more open to empathising with him being a serial killer? Surely sisterly love could be just as strong. Okay, thanks Matt. An email from Nick Henderson, who sent in a very nice long email talking about uh, the intensity ramping up leading into the finale and how Travis is now shining as a villain. He goes on to say, and I quote... Dexter once again dropped a few hints to his sister that things are not always black and white when it comes to morality. After the Matthews debacle and being saved by her brother at the police station, it seems that they continue to set the stage for Deb finally finding out about her brother, while at the same time suggesting that she will actually accept him for who he is. I'm not sure if I necessarily think they'll have Deb find out about Dexter in the finale though, at this point. I think everyone assumed they were leading there with the therapy side story, but as you can see, they were clearly setting up something completely different if she does find out my guess would be that the season will end on that note and we'll have to wait until next season to see the fallout how right you were there nick (laughs) who goes on to say the scene at the police station in which dexter thwarted the efforts of wormwood was exciting but a little anticlimactic i enjoyed dexter's act of heroism an act that would have once been considered uncharacteristic of him though I think it would have been a great opportunity for Quinn to redeem himself had he, had he been the one who interjected. They only have one episode left to justify Quinn's existence on the show, and if nothing significant happens with that character next week, he might go down in history as one of the biggest wastes of space on television. Well, LaGuerta might actually be competing for that title at this point. For God's sakes, will someone kill her already? The only way that, that character could be of any consequence at this point is if she does something that lands her on Dexter's table. It would be a fitting end to a really awful character. And Nick then goes on to talk about the writers using tried and tested storytelling tools, but says he enjoyed the Lake of Fire final scene before he talks about the side stories. He says, I find it hard to believe that they could actually wrap up some of the side stories in one more episode. It feels like so many of these stories were written as build-up to whatever season seven's going to be. Lewis in particular comes to mind. As we theorised, it looks like Lewis might have a dark side. Hearing his comment to Dexter about being inspired by his harsh review of his game idea, and then seeing him mailing the ice truck killer hand to Dexter, seems to imply that he's been using this game as a means of keeping his dark passenger in check, and he's ready to let it fly free. I would even suggest that they might be writing him to mirror the villain in the most recent Dexter novel, Double Dexter. Either way, he's still one of the most interesting characters of the season and I can't wait to see what they will set up at the end of the finale. Lastly, I won't comment too much on the Deb and Dexter spin this week. The dream was rather hilarious and had everyone in the room with me freaking out. I don't see them taking it much further, but I do see it having a profound effect on their relationship, in a positive way most likely, and ultimately affecting the way that Deb reacts to Dexter's secret. It's an interesting development and not something that's nearly as controversial as some people are making it out to be. I will hold my final opinion for next week where I'm sure we'll be given a more clear idea of where they're taking that story. Thanks Nick. Yes, we certainly did get a good idea of where they're taking the Deb Dexter story in the finale. I'm glad you weren't as put off the brother love thing as much as I was. But I would say that for me, if it goes somewhere good without having them jump in bed together, then... Maybe I'll forgive them. Sandy in Seattle emailed to say that hearing the Michael C. Hall interview last week and how his being so articulate and charming and smart didn't start to turn her around on a season that she thinks has been almost unwatchable. But no, she says she's determined to stay strong. (laughs) She goes on to say, and I quote, The only storyline I've found myself curious about at all is Lewis. Because I also love it when someone is on to Dexter and I really hope he moves into the next season and they do something fun with him. Frankly, you and your listeners have way more interesting ideas and theories and future plots than anything I've seen from the writers this season. So I hope they're listening. Because I want Dexter's last two seasons to be great. I am interested in his journey, interested to see if he gets caught, interested in Deb finding out and dealing with it. All of those things, so I could do without some formulaic big bad from here on out, unless it's Lewis. And have the show be more about the psychology stuff that they were so good at in the beginning, with a bunch of random kills thrown in, of course. Or not, depending on the final path that Dexter chooses. Your caller Tim summed up my feelings nicely on your Talk to the Hand podcast, by the way. So glad I'm not alone. Thanks very much, Sandy. Barry Kelly emailed to ask, have there been any rumours about any possibility of Scott Buck losing his job as showrunner? If not, can we start one? (laughs) After all, this is the first season in charge for him, and it's universally considered the worst season ever. Was that guy we saw bragging about the Geller surprise really the same man who wrote Hello Dexter Morgan? Surely the writers realise the criticism they're inviting by calling the finale, This Is The Way The World Ends. The quote is from T.S. Eliot and the next line is, not with a bang but a whimper. If the episode is less than thrilling, how many reviews are going to use that as a headline? Caller Travis is the only person I've heard point this out, but I thought it extremely ominous when Lewis talked to Dexter at the elevator. He seemed to agree that it was bad to make a game, which lets you pretend to be a serial killer. He then says that he's wasted his whole life playing make-believe games and wants to get off the sidelines. I think he's telling us that he plans to become a real serial killer rather than just pretending to be one in a game. Thanks, Barry. The way Scott Buck's talking, it's like he wanted the job last season and may have pulled the trigger on the Deb discovery thing sooner. But as far as his future's concerned, he's very much talking up season seven, so I don't think he's going anywhere. And as long as season seven isn't a disaster, he'll be there to the end, I'm sure. As for Lewis... I don't know what the future holds, but we'll be talking about him more in the podcast today and in the Finale Feedback podcast next time, so we'll gather our thoughts then. Mike Lanich from State College, Pennsylvania emailed with a prediction for the finale, and obviously I'm recording this after the finale, and honestly, I really like his idea. He suggests this. Dexter, having dispatched Travis and revealed himself to Deb, gets his package with the Ice Truck Killer hand inside. Mesmerised, he stares in both wonder and horror, not knowing how or why the hand has been sent when it should be in storage. We then shift to another scene in Twilight. As the camera pans, it comes across the dead body of a woman, frozen, drained of blood and sliced exactly as the ice truck killer's MO was, and set up in a wonderful presentation, just like Brian taught Lewis. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Mike's been right before, and he did correctly predict Deb finding out there, something I personally thought wouldn't come until much later in the series. So, well done, Mike. I really like your idea. Another alternative finale suggestion came from Barbara in New York. Who says this? The episode opens with Dexter slinking through the corridor of a darkened office building. He stops before a door in the hall, and we see him take out his syringe. Maybe I should read this with a bit more... bit more tension... The door in question reads, Dexter writing crew. He steps inside. After he subdues and straps down the writers, he takes out his knives and begins to tell the crew why they deserve to be chopped into pieces and dumped in the ocean. The Geller reveal, he shouts. The Trinity let down. The Ring of Fire nonsense. The Guerta, Matthews, Quinn's drunkenness. Batista tied to a bed in a fake fire. The shrink, the interns, all of it. He raises his knife high above his head. Suddenly, Deb bursts through the office door, gun in hand, and says, What the fuck, Dex? You're a serial killer? But she notices the writers on the kill tables, wanders over, picks up a knife, holds it up above her head and yells, And this is for the incest! Fate to black. End scene. The episode lasts all of ten minutes. I really like that, Barbara. Thanks very much. That made me laugh out loud. <laughs> Good work. OK, uh, email from Tom in Poland who says, Hi, I just wanted to drop my comment about something regarding the last podcast. Many listeners, including you, seem to have become upset with the Deborah Dexter thing, which surprises me. Personally, I found all that funny and wasn't worried for a second that the writers might actually go in this direction. So I don't get what was so bad about it. I like that bit. Thanks, Tom. Well, I've said before, we all have our own personal thresholds of what we'll tolerate, how much we can forgive and what we find acceptable or not. My own opinion is that they didn't need to go down this road. It could be seen as an interesting direction to take Deb's character, but it's just not one I'm a fan of. And we'll see where it goes next season, but obviously you wrote this email prior to the finale. So with Deb coming out and saying, yes, I am in love with Dexter... Uh, in the finale does that change your opinion of the storyline somewhat that it seems that they are following through with this angle i wonder <laughs> okay uh an email i got from mary helen in south carolina she just emailed in uh in my defense after the one star review that i mentioned last week thanks very much for that uh <laughs> i'm over it now but i really appreciate your support thanks again now, before we go into the meat of this week's podcast, and I do mention this towards the end of our conference call, uh, I am doing the finale feedback episode next week, so do get your feedback into so the usual numbers and email address or Twitter. I'll give out all the details towards the end of the call. Also, in the new year, soon into the new year, I'm going to do a top five moments of season six podcast. So, please, if you want to contribute, nominate your top five moments in order. And if you can also include the episode, the respective episode titles or episode numbers, uh, just to help me isolate any audio clips that I might then use in the podcast. Uh, So we had some fun with it last year and it'd be nice to do it again. So look forward to hearing your nominations for that.
2: You're listening to Dissecting Dexter.
0: Is that serious shit? (laughs) Okay, so we've got a conference call coming up with two guests. You may notice from, uh, well, comparing the audio quality with previous conference calls that I've had. uh, The audio quality is better. Uh, That is because I used Skype this time and recorded the call straight from Skype rather than using uh, the old TalkShoe conference call facility, uh, which, um, when I did the Potterage show last week, I was really gutted about my crap audio quality um, while the other guys were just dialing in via their phones and and it worked really well. Uh, So... (laughs) Yeah, so Skype wasn't so good there, but um, yeah, the audio quality is a lot better. So if you're thinking, oh no, not another conference call with rubbish audio, um, it is a lot better. So um, I hope you enjoy it. So this is our finale podcast for season six, episode 12. This is the way the world ends. The original air date was the 18th of December, 2011. It was written by Scott Buck and Wendy West and directed by John Dahl. Of course, we've heard all these names before, and I've talked about them before. So, my opinion, this is arguably the Dexter A-Team. But let's dive into the call now and find out what my guests, and indeed some more of my thoughts, find out what they were about the episode. Here we go. Okay, hi everyone, you're listening to Dissecting Dexter, the Season 6 Finale Roundtable. As promised, we're doing what we did last year, and breaking tradition of the normal solo review podcast, and bringing in a couple of guests to chat about the finale and the season in general, and maybe looking ahead to next year. So, let's get straight into it and introduce my guests. Firstly, a long-term supporter of the podcast, and one of my first email contributors, right back in the early days. He's been a guest on the show twice before, and I'm very pleased to welcome him back today. From Kansas, it's Matt Cook. How you doing, Matt? Very good,
2: very good, Gareth. How are you?
0: I'm very good, thank you. Getting all excited for
2: Christmas. Getting all set. I'm, that's <laughs> right. I'm, I'm trapped in a blizzard in western Kansas in America right now, but but not too bad. Not too bad.
0: Oh boy, yeah. We haven't had any um, snow yet this Christmas. It's look. It's got a bit milder, so I think we're looking at quite a fine Christmas weekend. So um, you know, it makes a change. Usually, it's grotty. <laughs> And also joining us is another long-term contributor to the podcast, whose voicemails have become a staple and almost a feature in their own right. His unique delivery, self-deprecation and insightful comment have even garnered him special mention in an iTunes review for the show. I think I also have to give him credit for being the first listener to call Geller not being real. Hailing from California, it's Travis Shefflin. Hey, Travis, how you doing? Hey,
3: I'm good. I'm not in a blizzard. It's beautiful, sunny weather. Everybody should move to California. Oh. I, feel, I feel sorry for anyone who's not in Southern California.
2: Oh, rub it in, rub it yeah, in. Yeah, man, I, I, got,
3: I got my socks off. I'm laying back. It's
0: beautiful. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I'm glad.
3: We, uh, we did have an earthquake uh, like two nights ago, though, so I ah, guess that's the uh, that's the drawback.
0: Uh, you take the rough with the smooth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, thanks guys for joining me tonight. Uh, Obviously we're going to be talking a little Dexter. Uh, The season six finale was just a few days ago, but we've been able to sleep on it a few times since then and let the episode kind of ferment in our minds and get our thoughts in order. Uh, So perhaps we should just start by kind of summing up our broad thoughts on how we felt about the finale. Uh, Can we start with you, Matt? What did you think of it? You know, the finale itself, I
2: thought was was uh, yeah, it, it was okay. I, I wouldn't say it was it was great, and I wouldn't say it was it was bad. Certainly, I think it ultimately built toward that moment we were all waiting for for six seasons now, uh, which which was Deb seeing Dexter do his thing. Um, I, I thought it was it was uh, you know it 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 did what it did last year, which is it kind of laid out you know. A fairly uh, odd circumstance to to get to that point. I mean, it was go back to the church and you know do a thing there, and so that would, kind of was a, a bit of a foreshadowing thing. And then last year with the with the Johnny Lee Miller character, um, you know, with a remote campground you know setup deal where it was where it was obviously going to be that that thing at the end of the episode. Um, it wasn't bad. Uh, again, I think it was it was just. There to serve the purpose of the final scene, which I think all of us kind of knew was coming. Uh, so again, I, I wouldn't give it high praise and I wouldn't certainly, I wouldn't chastise it very much because it ultimately delivered what we've asked for as fans since, you know, the finale of the first season. So for that, you know, not too bad.
0: Yeah, very much so. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it was pretty much, I mean, in hindsight, it was set up for the, the conclusion wasn't it and um sets us up perfectly for next season um travis how did you feel about the episode well it's funny that uh, matt would mention about fans
3: wanting it to happen because I've, i've always felt that uh deb finding out about dexter that was never a requirement for me uh to enjoy the show i think what i enjoyed about uh or i still enjoy about the series was uh you know dexter's double life uh dexter trying to fit in you know everyone uh I think I'm a pretty normal guy, but you know, everyone's got, you know, sometimes feels like they don't belong or, you know, you want to just be normal. So I like, always liked that. I feel like Deb finding out in the finale, like she did, uh, just kind of like complicates thing. It, it adds a complication that maybe I really don't want to watch, but you know, of course I will. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, cause now there's going to be suddenly, I don't know, Dexter, it's been a problem since, I think, season four, where Dexter really doesn't have a double life anymore. And that's something that, I, as I said, I liked about the show. I mean, after Rita had left, and same with the kids, he's, he's really got Harrison, who he doesn't really pretend around. And, in fact, does Dexter really even have to pretend anymore? You know, he's a pretty normal guy. But, uh, anyway, uh, that wasn't really thought on the finale, as you asked, but uh, that was just more response to Matt's thing. Uh but yeah, the finale was good. Any episode, any season that doesn't involve Lumen, that's a good season, in my opinion. <laughs> so so that's all I cared about. Uh, no, really, I remember during the season five finale, all I waited for was Lumen to leave, and then she did. And I was so afraid during this finale, you know, she would just come out of nowhere. Gareth had told me that there was like a minor spoiler about maybe somebody returning. And man, I was like, oh, better not be Lumen, you know, coming in like, I love you, Dexter, or something like yeah. that. I don't
0: know. Do, do you but- know what that turned out to be? That... That spoiler, I, I went back to the the blog uh, that that said a character was making a surprise return. And who was that? Because uh, I'd not looked at it to see who it was, uh, but I assumed it would be Astra and Cody. And uh, when when I looked at it, it was um, they claimed it was Brother Sam, which of course didn't happen. Yeah. So whether there was a scene that was shot and then left out, left on the cutting room floor, I don't know. But um, that yeah, was there complete was complete red herring.
3: Yeah, well, I, you know, I was I was glad. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The show, the the twist at the end was enough. And in fact, even the twist with Deb embracing her love for her brother, yuck. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's enough. Uh, we don't need. I don't need any more ghosts showing up. Or in fact, Harry didn't even show up in this finale. Uh, I don't know if you guys re- noticed that, but yeah, oh, yeah, Harry was absent.
2: And I read an interesting article about that um, with with the showrunner that that talked about. Um, very purposely not putting Harry in the finale so as to, you know, to not have to lean on, you know, ghosts so much and, and tell the story straight across as it were. The, the question that I have is that, you know, I've talked about this, you know, after last year's finale and before this year's premiere about how I thought that eventually the a finale of a season would be Deb finding out which would set up the next season of the Cat and Mouse game, which I would think would be the, the setting for the final season. But the problem now becomes, there's two more years. Right. And, and now I'm really not sure where to take this with two more years. That, that, that kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. Yeah.
0: Well,
3: uh, what upsets me is I don't think the writers know what they're going to do for <laughs> the next two years either. I agree.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can't argue with that. Yeah, it's... Um, It kind of... It really did take me by surprise, Deb, when when it became apparent that Deb was going to walk in on Dexter. Oh, yeah, I mean... Oh, go on, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, I'm just going to say that it became apparent that that's what what was about to happen. And I was thinking, we've got two years left. I thought Deb wouldn't find out until much nearer the end, but that sort of... It maybe narrows down or, or opens up certain avenues of of where, where they could go with this from here we're obviously going right. to see how she deals with it over a long period and it makes me wonder and at the same time fear a little bit that Dexter might be able to blag his way out of it because uh, as Scott Buck said in, in an interview with TV Line it was the link I sent you guys today he was saying that um, or the question was asked that actually Deb's only seen Dexter kill DDK right? she doesn't know he's a serial killer she may, over time, start to think. Hang on a minute. There was that thing last year with Lumen. I wonder, well, and go start always, to put the pieces together.
2: I I turned to my wife after the finale, and I, and I said, you know, if I could rewrite, and and this, and I thought this immediately, if I could rewrite one piece of that, and I wouldn't even rewrite it, I would have just had her see him, you know, maybe standing over uh, Colin Hanks, you know, with the knife, or or maybe just standing over him. Period. Without actually seeing the kill, that gives you a lot more options going into next year, and you still have that card in your in your deck to play. Um, but now, yeah, either he has to talk his way out of it, or, you, I, or I don't know what, because you got two years to deal with it. Now that's that's a long time. Uh,
3: what this is why I really didn't want Deb to find out because of you know the emotion how emotional she is, and also. I mean, if we're trying to pretend like she's a real human being, I mean, realistically, no person should be happy about this. I can't imagine a scenario where she's going to end up accepting it because it's like, Dexter, you have a son. You had two stepkids. Like, she should be calling child services or something, but, right? But I don't want to watch that drama unfold. I don't know. See, I, I just can't be happy ever. I always I, like I if, look on the miserable side of everything.
2: For, for me personally, if, if it gets her... Out of the I'm in love with him feelings and gets from that part of the storyline, will be as happy as I can be. Because that yeah. part is killing me.
3: Yeah, I understand that exactly.
0: <laughs> so you're breaking up a little bit there, Matt. Could oh, you repeat sorry. that last bit?
2: Well, I what I was saying it. was if, if nothing else, if, that, if, uh, if Deb seeing Dexter. Uh, you know, kill somebody and, and that takes away her feelings of love for him in that other sort of way and kills that part of the storyline, I'll be a very happy guy.
0: Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that kind of opens up the conversation into that whole side of things. The, uh, the the brother love crap. <laughs> I call it yeah. crap because that's how I feel about it. Crap, I, good work. I just don't think good work. it was necessary. I don't think it was necessary for them to go down this road. If they were using it as a means of having her feel more strongly for Dexter in order to accept whatever it was she was about to see, I, I, I say, well, surely her ordinary, everyday brother-sister love should have been enough. You know, what, no, you're yeah,
3: you're what right. What
0: stronger bond can there be um, than... A brother and a sister and her siblings it's it's a strong bond i know they're not blood related but they might as well be i'm, I'm just right. hoping that um maybe deb's just confused and the psychiatrist has, has sown this seed in her head and it's got to maybe thinking about things she wouldn't have even entertained otherwise and she'd have been quite all right thank you very much without considering them so i'm hoping that maybe this avenue will be short-lived and she'll kind of come to her senses, because I feel pretty sure Dexter won't reciprocate.
1: So what do you think it means? I don't know what the fuck it means. That's why I'm here. Is this just horribly wrong? Does it feel wrong? It makes my whole life, (laughs) every man I've ever loved makes sense. It's like I've always been looking for someone like Dexter. Or someone who's the opposite of Dexter as a way to avoid the fact that I'm in love with him. It's just clear to me now. And I want it to be clear to him. I want him to understand.
3: Well, friend, the writers have done crazier things before, man. I don't. <laughs> I, I have no stock in them. I don't know. I'm telling they like betrayed my trust when Dexter and Lumen uh, did the nasty. I was like, oh, <laughs> hell no. It's over. This is... I don't trust you. Well, even back when they uh, they killed Rita, I remember being on, like, internet forums, and, you know, the the word about the season four finale was like, there's a big twist, and everyone's like, Rita's gonna die. And I remember telling people, there's no way they're gonna kill Rita. That'd be the dumbest thing. Dexter as a single father? That's ridiculous. He can't do that. And, man, my, I could not believe it when they did it, man. I still think... This is a topic for another podcast, but I think that's the dumbest thing they've ever done, killing Rita. Of course, you know, I don't know, the show... People still really like the show. Hmm. I think, you know, good is good, but great is better.
0: It could have been better
3: if they kept Rita around. I don't know. I, yeah. I felt like
0: I felt sucker punched. <laughs> Obviously, the fan base was pretty divided over Rita. Some sort of as a, a pain I, in the ass. I never
3: understood that hate, man. I loved no. Rita. I mean, should he become a bitch? I mean, that, that was unfortunate for Julie Benz, where her character was essentially just an obstacle for Dexter. Yeah. That's all she was uh, relegated to. But she didn't deserve that you know oh you guys well, i
2: think i think most of us felt about her and that character that we preferred her as the as the occasional part of what she was in like season one mm-hmm. but when she became so much more of a feature in season three especially where she became just on un- god unbearable in a season that was you know sometimes hard to bear anyway um i think that uh i certainly wasn't I wasn't opposed to seeing her her killed, and I thought it gave some some really cool uh, possibilities that ultimately did never come to pass really um, but you know it, it is what it is, I guess
0: yeah, I guess she got a bit of a raw deal. I mean the character itself had come a long way because she was hmm. she was a mess in season one Absolutely. And even, even by the end of season one, beginning of season two she she'd had quite a journey, and she got a lot stronger. And, you know, by season three and certainly into season four, she was pretty much just a normal housewife, wasn't she? And, and yeah. you're right, she was relegated to providing a domestic obstacle, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Which I guess was plausible under the circumstances Dexter had kind of gone down that road of embracing domesticity and living with Rita and starting a family.
2: Well and there's there's different ways you can tell that story without having to be um, you know a, a nag about it. I mean yeah. look, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm married, I have kids. I can I can never find time to go golfing or anything else, you know. Much <laughs> less find time to yeah. ritual <laughs> serial killing, you know. <laughs>
3: so, I was going to say that. I mean, yeah.
2: And you can certainly te- you can certainly tell that story with you know my my wife certainly isn't isn't mean or hateful or or annoying or spiteful or or just, you know, all those things that, that Julie Benz's character got accused of being—you yeah. uh, can tell it in a very honest way—that you know, hey, as a married guy with kids, I don't have time to kill, you know. Mm. Uh, but, uh, but they kind of—they uh, kind of made her a shrew essentially, which which was frustrating.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of killing her off, I think it was obviously it was. <laughs> by the sound of you, Travis, you were um, very anti them doing that, but yeah. the, the flip side, it was a very bold and brave thing for a show to do, bump off uh, a character like that, and in such a shocking way I mean, that, that image of Harrison sitting in the blood will, will haunt me forever <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it still gets me now when I re the scene
3: yeah, I uh, mean, it was, certainly, it was certainly moving the way they did it, I mean Dexter had thought he won but even me as a viewer, you know, Dexter comes into his house. You know, I look at the clock. I'm like, "There's like a minute left in the season." Dexter comes into his house. I'm like, nah, this shit, that ain't right." You know, Dexter mm-hmm. should be on the plane. Why are they showing me in his house right now? Yeah. Uh, but yeah I mean, I knew something was up. And it was, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, there was a movie called Duck You Sucker, or it's in Italian. It's called Giulietta. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's a Sergio Leone movie. No. But they do a similar thing where uh, the main character uh, he's like a, this bandit thief, and yeah, he he. He becomes, like, a, a a reluctant hero in the Mexican Revolution, and he returns to his home and find out, finds out, like, all the soldiers have killed his family while he's away and stuff, and, you know, it's kind of the same thing, like, he comes home, like, all right, hey, everybody, what the, what the hell, you know, and he sees everyone dead.
0: Hmm.
3: It, it reminded me very much of that.
0: Yeah, I guess it was a, it was a plot device, wasn't it, to have Dexter embark on a new direction. Well, and that's the thing, if they
2: were trying to make him more human, which I think was the goal, and that, that, the, the scene that I kind of always harken back to is the scene on that floor of that men's room where he had killed that guy the next season, and he, and he just sort of lost his mind for a moment. And, you know, if, if the deal was to try to make him more human through us, they never really pulled the trigger on that. They, they kind of half backed out of it with, with the, the things with Jordan Chase, like right away, and, and, it, and, kinda of killed the effect of, of, of killing off one of your main characters. So it's it's kinda of confusing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I guess um I guess you're right. I mean
3: I'm trying not to get started. We're talking about season five, man I can go all day, so I'm trying not to
0: yeah. get started
3: on season five time. Mean, I
0: guess I guess we can bring it back to season six by saying that killing off Rita had sort of pointed Dexter in a new direction For season five and season six, they've tried to point him in another new direction, down the road of uh, looking for, quote-unquote, something else or something Mm. out there. Um, And he's emphasised wanting to have something to pass on to his son to become a better father, he's told us more than once. Yeah. And uh, through the brother Sam character trying to... or, or. starting to explore or open his mind to the possibilities of some sort of spirituality or some sort of religious aspects bringing that into his life I mean that was, that certainly seemed to be loud and clear the the theme for the season from the previews
2: well, uh, We spoke it, about that before the premiere about yeah. the, the, the introduction of the God um, situation for lack of a better word um, into the season this year and we, and we sort of talked about what it could be because again we had no idea but we talked about what it could be and what it could mean and, and and how they could play that and so i guess i'm curious as to what maybe you guys' thoughts are of to how the god situation uh played itself out this year
0: travis do you want to comment
3: uh, yeah okay i guess I'll, I'll it'll be like full disclosure i am like the biggest atheist i know uh so this viewers can listen, you know, they could decide how much stock to put into what I say, you know, how much shit I'm full of exactly. <laughs> but uh, it's not as though I'm not moved by religious iconography or anything. I mean, Jesus Christ Superstar is like my favorite musical, my favorite play. I love that. You guys ever see that? It's a good. Uh, yeah. It's good. Actually, no. Uh, it's, actually, yeah. I love it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so when they talk about they're going to get into religion this season, obviously, you know, I rolled my eyes because I. Because I know they're not going to have the balls to do anything like Dexter become some crusading atheist, as perhaps I'd like him to be. Uh, yeah, and I, I know that's a selfish wish, and they'd probably actually ruin the show, so it's good they don't listen to me. But uh, I knew they wouldn't do anything like that. I, I knew that they were going to end up pretty much how they did end up. They were going to have some wishy-washy, uh, very uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, superficial way that Dexter kind of reflects on the end of the season. Like, well, religion's a good thing, but it's not for me. I mean, that's pretty much what he – when he was you know holding his son at the end it, nothing really changed is what i'm getting at like they they put they pretended like it was about religion like they had something to say about it but they didn't i mean they had the scary religious killer but then they also had uh you know brother sam's reformed killer so i mean i don't know maybe i'm wrong in thinking that they needed to make a statement at all about anything but uh i feel like dexter didn't really what did he learn I mean, wait, the fool's like 40 years old. I know a lot of high school students, certainly I did, you know, you have to read things from the Bible in high school as part of curriculum for your English class or something. How did this dude not know anything? You know, I guess he is kind of socially retarded, but, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. So he mm-hmm. I don't feel like he really explored anything. It was all very superficial with the religious thing, which is fine with me. I don't, we don't want to cause any controversy here. Showtime certainly doesn't want to lose viewers.
0: Yeah, I think, um, realistically knowing dexter as we do i think any kind of exploration of spirituality or religion was always going to be scratching the surface i don't think we ever expected him to become a born again christian this year right and uh, you know start going to church on a sunday and you know, going down the uh, trinity route becoming a deacon at the local parish and you know all that sort of business uh, but i think the brother sam character did serve a purpose in that it showed to dexter that it was possible to have darkness within you and to be able to successfully control it by accepting again quote-unquote light accepting that there is light within you accepting light into your life not necessarily god or whatever Mm -hmm. other deity um but just recognize the light and dexter did make more than one reference to the light and the dark uh, through the season even in that final scene with Travis on the table he was saying about um, uh, oh, I can't remember the exact line about the balance darkness the has and the to darkness. have light light yeah. has to have dark essentially yeah yeah and suggesting that he's there to maintain the balance now I don't know if that's a foreshadowing of he's going to go embark on a crusade next season and kind of be this avenging angel <laughs>
3: Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't I like that. No. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the self righteousness that I would, yeah. that I think I've talked about where like if you know you can't think you're doing good. You everyone has to have some modesty even if it's a false modesty. You can't you're an asshole if you think that you're doing the right thing by balancing out the light or whatever, Dexter.
2: You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Email your feedback to dissecting
1: at gmail.com blood sometimes it sets my teeth on edge
3: this whole the whole light versus darkness thing reminded me of uh i'm gonna sound like a nerd again but kingdom hearts 2 had a very similar resolution did any of you guys play that game
0: no no you got me on Uh,
3: okay well just briefly it's it's the same thing where there's light and dark and at the end they're like you know what darkness isn't always bad and they all like team up and they beat some other bad guy but uh that's what this reminded me of dexter would really like that game i imagine
2: You know, but to me, he's always he's always done the avenging angel, you know, bit. His his thing has always been to right justice's wrongs and to kind of you know do the things that the the the, the law can't do, or won't do, or hasn't done. So Mm -hmm. it's that's kind of where he's always been. Um, So the one thing I, I I think you know they they sort of pawned it off on a they they basically pawned the religion. Aspect off onto the, onto the crazy professor and then by extension, you know, uh, the crazy, you know, Colin Hanks character. I, I, but I will give a lot of credit to, uh, to, to Most Deaf because, you know, that's a, that, that Brother Sam part is a part that could have been really kind of hokey. Um, you know, the reformed guy who runs a shop. Uh, but I thought, I thought Most Deaf did a, a really, really good job of that part and, and, you know, I, the thing I'd only seen him in before that was, uh, he was in a movie with Bruce Willis a couple of years ago called uh, Hostage, I believe. Um, no, I'm sorry, it was like 13 Blocks or something like that. Bruce Willis movie, anyway. And he was terrible in it. He was horrible in that movie, and and so I kind of had some 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 reservations going into the season. But I thought that he did an amazing job holding his own and 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 really doing well with that character.
0: Yeah, I mean maybe in terms of the religion thing, maybe we. I mean, I don't know whether it's the same for all viewers. Obviously, I'm speaking from my own sort of thoughts prior to the season about the theme being one of religion, but maybe it was, maybe we kind of set that up wrongly or interpreted that wrongly and that the theme for the season was simply the battle between light and dark. And through considering religion, uh, Dexter started to consider that there might be light within him, that there might be good within him. And, you know, we've seen before, like last season when um, he protected Cody's uh, sorry Astor's friend and mm-hmm. uh, Harry said to him I'm proud of you putting yourself out there for another human and uh, you know we, we've seen signs that Dexter isn't all bad and we've kind of known from early on in in the show's life that he's not all bad that there is hope right but it's taken a long time for him to recognize it and uh, I, I think um, I think that kind of they did that fairly successfully, I, I should sort of say that with hesitation, actually, um, sort of semi-successfully this season, that they have opened Dexter's eyes to considering those possibilities. And uh, I think the brother yeah, but Sam character was, was a good one, and as you say, Matt, it, it was very well played. I, I think Absolutely. It, it served its purpose, although I was a little bit disappointed he was bumped off so early on.
2: Absolutely, yeah, I, I thought he had a couple more episodes in him that could have really done some good, but... Um, yeah, I was surprised to see him him killed off so early. But one of the frustrations that I have, and this goes back to you know seasons two, three, four, five. Every year, it's it's basically there's a moment where Dexter says to himself, or through through voiceover or whatever, you know, you know maybe there is some life light in me. Essentially saying that same thing every year, and and at some point, you know, it's it it becomes you know yes i i get it there's there's more about his the journey of self-exploration this year i, I understand and and it, at some point you know you kind of either kind of have to take that plunge and, and try to figure out how you atone for what you've done or or as a killer or or you just don't take that plunge and you and you don't try to uh realize what the light is i mean it's it's kind of every year it's kind of the same thing it's you know, he, he realizes more about himself, but yet there's no progression. It's just basically replaying the same song over and over again.
3: Yeah, Dude, you're absolutely right. Uh, I've uh, On top of that, I mean, ever since season two, I mean, it's the same format with Dexter getting a friend, and then they leave and whatnot, and that friend facilitates their learning about themselves. Um, even uh, about taking the plunge, Dexter trying to figure out how to atone for his sins, or for lack of a better word, sins, uh... In season five, that was supposed to be all about atoning for his actions and Rita's death, but that's not really what it was about. He hooked up with Lumen, and then he, he cried when she left. It, none of that was ever about Rita. The show, uh, sh- season five sucks is basically what I'm trying to say. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I, it's the same thing every year is what you're saying like in terms of Dexter's character progression. Does it really matter if he's light or dark? In fact, I think that's the conclusion he came up with at the end of season two. Uh, the end of it he was asking himself you know am I good or bad I'm done asking these questions but it seems like he really isn't done with it Uh, he'll try to figure out probably again next year once Deb's going to be on his ass
1: This is
2: they promised him being more dark this year and certainly right off the bat he kind of was you know uh, but then it kind of took another left turn so yeah, yeah there's,
3: there was a definitely lack of traditional kills this season uh, Dexter, seeing Dexter be dark, I guess when he's trying to focus on the light maybe that's uh, come to the territory
0: yeah and we had the uh, the diversion mid-season with the Nebraska episode that obviously split the the fan base um, yeah and uh he sort of became dark dexter for for a week
2: i was surprised at the at the at the adverse reaction of that
0: Mm. i've I've actually really enjoyed it and up to that point it was my favorite episode of the season i did
2: too and and i i enjoyed it from i mean from the preview from the previous week going forward i was excited for that episode and, you know, I mean, I, I get it why it was a one-off and all that kind of stuff, but I really liked it, and, and I was surprised that it got some of the negative reaction that it did.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was. I mean, first and foremost from the show, I want to be entertained. And I was. That episode entertained me. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was quite surprised that when I finished the episode and went to pick up my podcast email and saw some of the... Expletives and well, it, it, it polarised fans. There were some that loved the episode and some that absolutely, you know, wanted to burn every <laughs> every copy of it in existence. <laughs> so yeah, I was I was quite taken aback, but it was it was an interesting, albeit brief, diversion. And I don't know whether it's plausible that he should take such a such a dramatic turn for such a short time. I, I don't know.
2: Well, um, it, struck, it struck me as almost being a little. It, it was almost like a bone they were throwing to, to the hardcore fans from from the giddy up. That that really was them saying, "Hey, we're going to press pause for a minute and give you exactly what you want, but we're going to take it back before the episode's over." Mm. Uh, it it kind of seemed like a little. Yeah, that mocked. was
3: my problem with it. It was. Uh, I felt it was just really pandering. You know, I felt like offended. Like, uh, like. You know, I don't know the writers' intentions they claim that the show's all about character and whatnot but I really feel like that was just hey guys uh, we didn't forget about you take this you know oh gee thanks <laughs> it was yeah it was just really uh you know oh here's Brian as you've never seen him be before and then oh here's Trinity everyone's favorite seasons one and four all together right guys <laughs> I, that's how I felt about it like I don't know I felt like oh you can't fool me showtime I see I see through this ruse. And I mean, ultimately, the episode did end up being inconsequential. Uh, he he kept the pen, and then Deb found the pen, and nothing came of that. I mean, you almost could just delete that episode from the. I, I guess I don't remember what happened specifically with the DDK investigation during that episode. Probably nothing because Deb relies on Dexter so much. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I don't even remember how I felt about the episode. Uh, but it probably wasn't very positive.
0: Yeah, I can't remember what happened with DDK that week. But to be honest, my interest in DDK, like like so many viewers, it seems, um, my, my interest waned fairly quickly. And quite early in the season, I was feeling quite a wave of apathy about it. I just I wasn't really interested. I was more interested in seeing what Dexter was doing. Because he wasn't exactly throwing himself into pursuing that side of things. He was intrigued by that first... Murder with the snakes—that uh, seemed to pique his interest. But then he got sidetracked by the whole Brother Sam thing. There like
2: there's there like there was a few episodes of of really just uh, almost time killing, you know, and and just taking a story that that you know didn't need as long as it took to to tell itself out, and and really kind of just holding some place. And there were some episodes I. You know, I watched it with my wife and there was some episodes I, I turned to and turned to my wife and I just said, you know, it's just, this just wasn't very good. Uh, I mean, what's, what's different from where we were, you know, 55 minutes ago? You know, so it's, it's, uh, you know, it, I think that the whole, the whole season to me it, it wrapped up in a nutshell was, was to get from point A to B and point A is the start and point B is the, uh, is mm-hmm. Deb walking in and, and, and seeing him in the kill, and and you know, unfortunately, you got to kill, you know, twelve hours of television between A and B. That's mm-hmm. kind of what it felt like. I, I'm agreeing with you that the, the apathy of the DDK character, which I didn't see the, the being dead coming, I didn't see that one coming, but uh, or as far as Geller being dead, but that,
3: that I called was, it. You
2: there did. was a yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of just there was a lot of just stuff that just felt like just you know superfluous storytelling, like the thing with Quinn. Kind of having his problems and 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 the thing with the with Matthews and and I, and I get why they were why they were talking about Matthews and the hooker because now Laguerta gets to move up and then that has more pressure for Deb I, I get all that stuff but it just seemed like they were taking a really long time to tell a really pretty simple story
3: right um, and continuing on that note it also kind of tying back into this finale specifically continuing on the note of uh, Dexter or the show. Kind of filling up time with maybe cheap thrills or something. Uh, there was a whole part that I'm sure a lot of your listeners, Gareth, will mention about where Dexter gets to the crime scene and, and it's like, oh, we haven't been in the crime scene yet. We waited for you as we as you know we always do. No, they don't. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And I the thing is, too. yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, that was a cheap thrill. Dexter goes in and like, oh my god, he painted my face on the wall. I have to do something, right? And nothing really came of that. And I feel like. Why'd you even have Travis paint his face on the wall to begin with? Like, just for Dexter to react, and then the police not to find out? Like, I think they could have avoided that. Because then, yeah, it created the, the problem where the police unrealistically just, oh, we're waiting for Dexter to go inside. Like, they don't yeah. need a blood guy to investigate exactly. a, a crime scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I
0: think
3: Yeah, they just had Travis not paint De- Dexter's face. Or, I don't know, if Travis just wasn't a good painter, and maybe they couldn't tell it was Dexter's face. I mean, this whole, <laughs> that whole complaint, I guess that maybe they don't care about, but that whole complaint could have been avoided.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it seemed bizarre that the investigating detective hadn't gone in to have a look round uh, and they were waiting for officially someone who is just a blood spatter guy. He's not even a, what, what's the phrase, a licensed officer.
3: Yeah. Oh That's yeah. He doesn't
0: right. even, he's yeah, not even a police officer. Exactly. No. no. And they're waiting for him. I mean, obviously we know that they know he's good. Mm-hmm. He's perceptive and they, they could use his input. But really? It just seemed... um, it it Obviously, it was just convenient to the plot that they just wanted Dexter to see the painting. And we saw... It was quite amusing to see the look of shock on his face. Uh, And it made sense for Travis to have put Dexter's face on the devil. But I did think it would come to something more. I thought... Well, as I say, I didn't expect Deb to find out this episode. I thought that would be to come sometime in the next two years, but... I thought maybe she'd see the painting and then questions would be asked. You know, why, how does Travis know you? Yeah, you know, things like that. But, well, yeah, um, but
2: yeah, every, was, every year there's there's some there's some uh situation that happens It's just way too uh w- way too easy, you know, to to be um you know to be real. Like the the one that strikes me is we mentioned this last year, um where uh, on the way to, on the way for Deb to go to that, to that campground hideout, she asks some orange vendor who gives her very vague instructions and she knows exactly where to go find this old campground and doesn't see the car flipped over. Right. You know, these incredibly, incredibly obvious, you know, omissional things that you're like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. Uh, and this year was kind of the same way. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things I've, I've had a problem with this show from the beginning and I, and I love it to pieces, but, um, they they have this this thing where they they will do something and and to me the most glaring thing they ever did was was season three when we first saw Quinn and the internal affairs girl showed up and it was it was a big focal point of his character that she was coming after him and she was going to Deb and she was trying to get her to talk and all this other stuff and then it just kind of got oh it's no big deal and it gets brushed off and. Those are the things that sort of drive me crazy. and The the same sort of thing happened with with Quinn this year. Maybe they'll have more effects to come, but Quinn basically just acts like a clown the entire year, and then he tells me he's going to get a transfer, and he tells me he doesn't want that. I talked to my rep, and we're not doing that. And then it's like, okay, let me just move forward. And then you're thinking, well, what the hell was the point of all that before then?
0: Yeah, and they have said uh, that
2: he's back next year.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I read
2: that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and loose ends just kind of just kind of drive me crazy, you know. Yeah, and it's almost like they start they start writing it without an idea of where they want to go, and 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 just you know get halfway into it and realize, okay, we have to get out of this to move to the next thing, so we'll just quietly end it quickly. And that stuff is the stuff that drives me just person. It's, and it's little things; it's never big character points, obviously, but it's just little things that just sort of drive me insane.
0: Yeah, there was stuff last week with. Batista uh in handcuffs on that bed and Travis uh he sets the fire and escapes through a window when if he if had a he, gun. Yeah, he had a gun he could have just killed Batista and jumped out the window. Why spend time messing about finding uh you know, unless he had a bottle of um you know, a can of petrol or or something handy? Um, which is or, or unlikely. Was
2: in the finale he he drove by the crime scene of the finale yeah I'm, and I'm, I turned I turned to my wife and I said really the, the most sought after guy in the entire yeah. city drives by the crime <laughs> scene and no one pays attention
0: yeah and then he pulls up a few yeah you know, a couple of doors away <laughs> yeah just parallel parks yeah, yeah. You know, just just park in
2: my car don't mind me you know yeah
0: yeah I thought that a bit weird a bit
3: a bit rubbish man. Uh, speaking of unfulfilled uh, storylines, uh, Lu- the hand, Lewis's hand. How disappointing! We didn't get to see Dexter
0: uh, react to that. Yeah, I mean, we all thought that might be the final scene.
3: Yeah, Dexter that's being what I. Dexter mortified
0: at, at finding this hand. Uh, I mean, I think it's fair to say it's going to going to pop up next year. And it's got to. Oh,
3: well, it did better. Uh,
0: I mean, I, I think it's it's pretty certain Lewis is going to be back. Yeah, like they said he's not going to be the big bad next season. Which might have you, paid to one or two theories.
2: I'm not sure if you guys listened to the there was a there was a uh, NPR radio here in America. Certainly is is National Public Radio, and they have a podcast called the Fresh Air podcast. It's actually a show they do, and Michael C Hall was on there. and And one of the things that he said last week about that that kind of caught my attention was um, was that he said I forget the way he put it exactly, but basically what he said was. Has has that character figured out an algorithm in the process that tells him that he knows who Dexter is? And I hadn't, you know, obviously we thought about that because when he mailed the package, that sort of crossed your mind. But I hadn't heard anybody say anything like that, like maybe he knows who Dexter is and that he's a killer. So now I'm kind of like looking for that, like has he figured out who, who Dexter is and that's going to be the, the crux of the season is is him trying to out Dexter, or, or whatever happens with that? So now I'm kind of curious about that.
0: Yeah, I mean I don't know whether he's going to turn out to be a killer. Uh, I'm I'm feeling perhaps he won't be, but maybe he's just, maybe he's just screwing with Dexter, just just messing with him, just to see what he does. Maybe he just wants to be buddies with him, and this is his weird way of getting his attention. He tried with the video game and failed. I don't know if if they're, what they're saying is true and he's not intended to be the big bad next year. Uh, what part is he going to play? It sounds like his internship's coming to an end, and he was trying to um, uh, he, he was trying to encourage Masuka to see if um, there might be a chance of him staying on. And we got that rather bad Yoda impression.
1: Finish training, you must. Save you, it will. Look.
3: Oh, I wanted to mention that. That was that was painful for me to watch. I'm like, oh, come on, man. What are they doing?
0: I was a bit embarrassed. <laughs> I yeah, felt a bit I, embarrassed I for him.
3: Yeah, I can't tell if it was supposed to be bad or not, or maybe, I don't know, the crew was like, hey, C.S. Lee does this really great Yoda impression. Let's see if we can get it into the show. I don't <laughs> know. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I, I did like what they did with Lewis this year, that he was this slow burn of a character just mm-hmm. sort of there in the background having a helping out here and there in, in different ways
2: well because especially after the first girl had had gotten that that thing on eBay yeah. or whatever it was she basically sold on eBay and then when they show when they show Lewis basically you know uh, having sex with Batista's sister and they pan back to the hand like that was that was drawing to me like oh okay he's the one who bought it I get it okay. And that's where I think that um, when I was watching the finale, and Dexter went online to look up uh, the tallest buildings in Miami, and I I, t- I thought to myself, what if you know what if obviously Lewis is good with the computers and he had the ability to 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 search out stuff and all that kind of stuff, you know for all this for all the show, Dexter has used basic net searches to find out details that if you if you knew what you were looking for, you could probably kind of figure out that he was up to something if you put those searches together and and that's kind of what i think might happen is that is this guy figures out a way to hack into the system and figure out what dexter's net searches have been and it starts to reveal a pattern and that's how he kind
0: of figures it out or or maybe already has figured it out yeah that's what i'm
2: kind of thinking at this point
0: he he pointed him at that elliot search engine didn't he yeah Yeah. absolutely. and i think that our, our general theory was that elliot that elliot was lewis's creation was his website, and obviously he'd th- he'd then have access to the logs to see what Dexter had been looking at. And right. He was looking up stuff before it had come up in the police investigation, so which would obviously raise some questions for him. But I'd noticed the last couple of weeks he's not been using it. I think the l- latest one was was it Netrangler or Netrangler Net or something. Like Whatever generic
3: yes, yeah, generic dot web or something stupid yeah. like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I don't know why he stopped using Elliot. Um, I don't know whether the writers just forgot about it. But uh, it was obviously giving him some good results. So why yeah. he would then stop using it, there's certainly been nothing in the script to arouse suspicions about Lewis being up to no good. He's just a computer geek, as far as Dexter knows, who's quite good at programming games.
2: Yeah. Right. I, I think, that to, to me, that, that computer geek is what's going to ultimately help advance that part of the story along. So I, I think that, that, that that's my... If I'm a betting man that's what my money is on is that at some point Lewis has, has uncovered something in his digging through people's searches or whatever have you and that, that's what he came up with that basically kind of pointed him in the direction of well geez why would a lab geek you know search for these things why would a lab geek search for these things and and and, and starts putting it together himself and that's why he mailed him the hand because he's kind of figured out who he is sort of you know thing
0: Yeah, I mean there was there was a theory that maybe Lewis was in cahoots with Ryan, Ryan Chambers, but uh, obviously that didn't come to anything. Uh, So maybe he's just a just a clever guy operating on his own for what, well, to what end we've we've yet to yet to find out. But that's certainly one of the it was one of the more intriguing storylines towards the end of the season.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: Just getting back to the. Finale specifically Maybe we could um, Pick out any Highlights from the episode That we've not mentioned already Obviously we've We've talked about the The Deb Dexter reveal. Reveal right. uh, We've kind of touched on the The whole Ugh You know That, yeah. that storyline
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it and goes the, without saying What it is The, the yeah, simple Ugh The plot that must the not be named
0: <laughs> Yeah uh, Yeah Um I mean, what, what other aspects of the episode stuck out to you? Um, Travis, do you want to go first?
3: Yeah, uh, I've got I got a few things. Uh, well, just first off, uh, when we talked about the Yoda impression, something that Masuka said in that scene stuck out to me, where he referred to Miami Metro as an elite crew. And I'm thinking, like, have you guys ever even caught one serial killer? <laughs> what is so elite about you guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right? I mean, I think every time they catch someone, they're dead because Dexter's killed them, but, you know, they think it's a suicide. All oh, the Skinner and Dokes and the Ice Truck Killer, they all killed themselves.
0: Yeah. Um, I thought that was a strange choice of words.
3: Yeah, but uh, that just stuck out to me. But, uh, you know, not to be so negative, a tiny little thing that stuck out to me was I did notice that Angel's wrists were all purple and junk, uh, like, because he was had been bound in the previous episode. I thought, well, that's, there's an attention to detail that I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, when yeah, when he was interrogating Quinn, if you check out his wrist, they're all, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what, chafed or whatever. But uh, it was a it was a good finale. Um, there has certainly been worse. Uh, I think it's unfortunate. You know, the bit, obviously the big thing about the episode was Deb catching Dexter.
1: This is not how it's supposed. To be. Maybe this is exactly
2: how it's supposed to be. Maybe everything is exactly as it should be.
3: (sighs) Oh, God. And I think it's unfortunate that the writers are essentially Forced to dumb down Dexter in order for any plot developments to happen, like uh, you know, Dexter had to choose the absolute worst place to kill Travis just so Deb would walk in, and we know that last time when Dexter went to the uh, went to the church, you know, he closed his car door and it was really loud and everything. You know, it's convenient that that di- that that didn't happen for Deb this episode. Um, so I feel like uh, they have to make Dexter make stupid decisions in order for him to get in trouble. Uh, but in order to, to be fair, not to just harp on the finale, this has been going on since, like, the beginning of the series. Uh, if you remember, he did kill the ice truck killer inside of his own apartment, which was an active crime scene, and he also killed Miguel at LaGuerta's house. So, I guess this isn't any, Dexter doing stupid, stupid things isn't anything that's new to the show, but, uh, I just think it's unfortunate that... You know, you remember back in the beginning of the series, Dexter would have blueprints, and he'd have charts, he'd be be freaking MacGyver, he'd he'd know everything about where he's about to kill someone, but, you know, he's just going to kill someone in a church that looks like it's in, like, a park or something. There's people that have Wi-Fi nearby, apparently. So, uh, that's just unfortunate. I feel like when I watched Deb catch Dexter, it was almost like a dream to me, like, not that it like fulfilled all my greatest fantasies, but it was just kind of like I was just kind of sitting back, like, "Is this really happening? Is this how it, is this how it happens? Is this how the world ends?" To quote the episode title, <laughs> you know, it was just so, just like, "Oh, here I am." What? Like, there, you know, it kind of wasn't a big like bang or anything. It wasn't. I wasn't really fulfilled. Deb didn't really earn it. It was kind of an accident, you know.
0: Yeah, I did. Well, it, we we talked in the podcast over the last couple of weeks that we had speculated about the Geller reveal for so long that it was inevitable that whatever the reveal ended up being, we would rip it to shreds, we'd be disappointed. And more than one listener pointed out that the same could happen with Deb's eventual discovery of Dexter. Yeah. And and I said, well, I think we've been waiting for it for so long that I think I'll be so wrapped up in the moment and the emotion of it that I, I don't think I'll care. But... I kind of think that they've, my gut feeling is that they've pulled the trigger on it too soon. But, you know, the next, probably the next half season will maybe prove me right or wrong on that one. You know, it depends where they go from here. It, it, it could, it could work, and I hope it does. Um, but, I, I, it, yeah, it just surprised me that they did it so soon. And, I, I I guess I'd I'd like to say something a little more about the the Deb Dexter love thing uh, because I had some interesting feedback um, that I'd just like to bring up Um, one listener, uh, writer girl actually who sent in some very insightful feedback before uh, referred to something the psychiatrist was saying that Deb had a history of choosing inappropriate partners and she says, really? and she mentions Rudy uh, slash Brian, um, who Deb couldn't have possibly known was a serial killer, he just came across as a nice, charismatic guy uh you know until the end when Deb discovered the truth, so as far as she was concerned, he was just a nice guy. Uh, Lundy was a father figure but mm-hmm. a decent man. Uh, there was anton who again nice guy, and of course she dumped him when Lundy came back, so who knows it could have worked out with anton, and then Quinn. Who had settled down uh, with her right. and curbed his playboy ways, being with her, but then she wouldn't commit. Uh, so, so Reitigel felt that this whole direction has been contrived and unnecessary, and uh, blames Doctor Ross for putting these thoughts in Deb's head. And uh, one, one of the other listeners, I can't remember who who it was, suggested that this plot line might alienate some of the audience. Um, through its uh, controversy Um, Dave Noble in Ohio said that he felt uh, he thought it was very unethical for a psychiatrist to encourage their patient who clearly already has daddy issues to then go and pursue their amorous feelings for their adopted brother Um, and he says it's basically replacing Deb's daddy issues with brother issues he felt that maybe they should uh, try and sort out these feelings in session, rather than having a blunder out there and and just tell Dexter um, when this is quite a new idea that she's put in her head, and maybe it needs maybe it needs to sort of sit a while and given some consideration. Um, but Deb's just kind of waded out there and. I mean, the cynic and me would say it served the plot because they were nearing the end of the season.
3: Absolutely.
0: they were wanting to pull the trigger on, on Deb's discovery, and so they had to kind of rush it. And I guess, actually, that's probably a good phrase, is that the end of the season and Deb's discovery, it did feel rushed. But I guess... I guess it, it, it was... It,
2: it, it didn't have to. I mean, no. I think that, I think something that was said earlier was, was a, a beautiful point. She didn't earn it. You know, she, she stumbled upon it, um, to go there and, 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 you know, either check up on his work or seemingly confess her love or whatever have you, but she didn't earn, she didn't earn the, 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 that moment, you know, and, 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 you know, one of the things that, that gets me is I agree with you. I think it was completely contrived because the guys that she dated before, and she even said so. One of the things that stuck with me in the episode that she said was that she, she said to the psychologist, I realized I've either dated guys who are just like Dexter or the opposite of Dexter. I thought, well, geez, isn't that everybody pretty much? You either yeah. like somebody <laughs> or not. I mean, yeah. that's kind of everybody, you know. So, uh, okay. Um, but, you know, she – I agree with you. They pulled the trigger too soon on that. Now, I could be wrong. I could be proved wrong in what happens in the next you know, step or two. But, but uh, you know, for me personally, I think they kind of pulled the trigger a little bit early. And, and, and I really think that's a great point. You know, through through foreshadowing and through uh, the different things they've done, which they've done a pretty good job of a lot of times. I mean, when she was going through Dexter's files, figured out who her dad was cheating on people with, and all, or cheating with, and all this other stuff, and figure out who Dexter was, and and seeing Lumen, and then the flashback if if she ever wanted to have it of of her on the table with the ice truck killer. All these things, you know, she, if she put those together and then and then somehow found him at a certain crucial time, okay. But this was like, you know, some kid going into a candy store and finding Santa Claus and there with his beard off. You know, it's yeah. like, it doesn't, that, that's not really how it's supposed to happen.
3: Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. I didn't even I didn't even think about that. Yeah, she did uh I forgot about that she had been investigating Harry's CIs and whatnot. Yeah, that kinda came to nothing. Uh I oh, suppose
2: three seasons ago. Yeah. I, mean,
3: yeah, I suppose I suppose the writers if they they don't usually do this, but if they actually want to have some sort of continuity between seasons, they could have Deb bring that up once she catches Death. She's like, Oh shit, wait, all this weird behavior, you know, because you had such a strange childhood. I don't know. But yeah, not that this was just a total accident like that she caught this that she got him killing someone it wasn't uh i don't know she could have found his slides or she could have even something with the pen she could have noticed that a dude died in that town when he was there or something like that you know the guy who ran the hotel was found dead or i don't know yeah. i don't like playing that i don't like playing this game where they should have done this or they should have done that because they usually you know usually just makes me sound like a jackass but <laughs> maybe they should have done these things
2: I yeah I mean and and again I mean and and this is this is the I don't have any idea what I'm talking about but I'm just sort of spitballing thing, you know my guess is going into the season that there would have been, you know if I and I I believe I said this at the time that my guess is there's probably going to be this season and then one more and that would be it and and if I was a betting man I would believe that that's probably what the with the people who ran the show and the people who are who are in charge of the show, were thinking the same thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm guessing that by September, all these episodes were probably shot. So now you're dealing with a situation where it doesn't get renewed for two seasons until, what, October? So they're probably done shooting by then, so it's re- now it's revealed for two seasons, and now you got to kind of do some, some backtracking next year to kind of make that right. But my, my guess is, and again, I, I could be completely full of crap, my guess was they built this scenario to be going into next year being the last year, and then you want two more years? Okay, sure, we can fix that, but it's already shot. But it is what it is. It's a curious spot now because you basically got, you know, you, you've given you've given the people the story that most of them have been asking for 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 the, the entire run of the show. Really, uh, you know, how does how and when do, does Dexter get caught? Well, you just did. So now mm-hmm. you've got two years to try to tell that story that that you may not need all of. Or ugh, I don't know, it's tricky.
3: Now you could tell the you could tell the resolution of one episode. You know, Deb kills herself, or Deb turns Dexter in. I don't I don't know how they're going to stretch it out. I assume they don't envy the writers uh, what, for, but they have to figure out what to do.
0: Yeah, two years is a long time. Two seasons, a lot yeah. can happen. Um, I think obviously when when renewal was granted, they will have known how this season was ending. They oh sure. and they were pulling sure. the trigger on this, and that will have factored into their. Discussions with Showtime, um, but of course, from Showtime's point of view, this is their most popular TV show on on their network. Um, the the finale this weekend is being reported to have been Showtime's highest-rated uh, broadcast of the year. Is that right? So you know, it's a success. It's a commercial success. So <laughs> you can't really see them rushing to to end it, uh, not for, not from a business standpoint, anyway. But um, so maybe this was a compromise were creative and and sort of said well yeah okay well we can stretch it to two years maybe that was just something that they it was a kind of a compromise but i don't know how they're going to uh to fill two years now now deb knows well uh, i guess sup- i suppose
3: she doesn't know the whole truth no now of course she didn't just catch him killing someone she caught him like ritualistically killing someone uh so that's a big difference um I, am, I could imagine a scenario, but I'm probably wrong, as I usually am. I could. I imagine a scenario where maybe Deb spins it to way, like, well, this is the only way I knew how to... Because, you know, he'll be like, I don't know how to kill someone, so I had to copy, like, the Bay Harbor Butcher's methods, because that's... Obviously, that works for dokes. So, <laughs> you know... Because, I mean, like, if Deb had half a brain, she'd realize like, oh, shit, not only does this look just like uh, the Trek killer, but it looks like how they figured out dokes killed his people, too. And... Uh, But I don't know if they're going to have Deb put that together or if Dexter's just going to be able to be like, oh, I needed him tied down one way, so I figured saran wrap would be as good a way as any.
0: Yeah, Here's a thought. In season one, when Brian had Deb restrained, was she restrained in the same way as Travis was? Was she restrained with shrink wrap? Yeah, she she was shrink wrap to the table, yeah. Yeah. going to see Travis and say, oh, shit, that's that's what happened to me?
2: He even said, I prepared her just the way you liked.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And see and I and I've said forever and ever and ever and ever that I think at some point she was going to have some sort of a of a of a jostling moment where all of those all that night came back to her and I think that that may be it I, I've been I've been trying to look for that moment for a long time and I thought you know when she had she had a little bit of a vigilante sort of speech that she gave last year when she was like you know and that's what led her to that's what led her to let Lumen go. Yeah. Because she was like, I understand why you're doing what you're doing, um you know, and I you have five minutes before they get here, whatever it was. Um you know, but there's gonna be that moment where she looks over there and she sees, you know, Colin Hanks tied down like she was, and she flashes back, and I think that when she does, she's going to remember that Dexter was there and maybe that she heard that conversation. I don't know. I think that's going to be, um, I think that, that him being, you know, sort of Saran wrapped down like that is going to be a huge deal like that.
1: This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It helps me control the chaos.
0: Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I guess her, psychiatrist sessions will continue next year and who knows maybe they'll go down the road of having some sort of um uh regression uh kind of hip- hypno uh hypnotherapy <laughs> if that's the right word and um have some sort of recollection of of what happened uh because as you, as you say her, her eyes opened uh right. back in season one and prior to that surely she must have had some sort of semi-consciousness period where her brain might well have heard uh, some of the conversation between brian and dexter and maybe some of that will come back to her
2: well i think the question you have to ask yourself is you know and i and i've seen the interviews where they've asked people this question you know what's to have you figured out what the end's going to be blah 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 and I, i think the question has to become okay there's there's like three possible endings for the end either dexter dies Or Dexter goes to jail, or Dexter stops. Okay, so basically, there's you one of three, and and, and I think they're right. Nobody wants to see Dexter on trial, you know. Nobody wants to see Dexter answer to the law for his things. They they just don't want to see that, you know. So then it becomes, how do you get to that? And I I think they're going to spend next year, you know, if if I if it was if it was me, you're going to spend next year sort of having Deb wrestle with the fact that you know what she's a lieutenant now that what does she let go and what does she focus on you know for the greater good um versus her brother and that could take her that i guess you could do all season of that if you wanted to and then the final season becomes you know how does dexter what's the resolution of the dexter character himself but that's still like i said it's a lot of time to to really figure that stuff out and it's gonna have to take something really good
0: yeah definitely definitely i'd I still feel that two seasons is a long time. But, you know, who knows? Maybe they've got some good ideas up their sleeve to um, to bring things to a close.
2: I feel bad that we're we're basically saying that, you know, we, we don't <laughs> want two more years of one of our favourite shows. <laughs> yeah. You
0: know, yeah. Well, I, I we, kill we'll it.
2: At the same time, I don't want to see it go off a bad death.
0: So. This is it. We're, we're all united. Whether we love this season or not, we're all united in wanting the show to be the best it can. And mm-hmm. for the show to end on a high and not just fizzle out, we're all we're all united in that department. So uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, what i say
2: did like this year. I did like the introduction of the new uh, the new detective whose name escapes me from Chicago, and uh, Mike Anderson. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I like that guy. I like that character. I thought it brought some it brought some balance to the to the cast a little bit. Uh, I like that character quite a bit, so I, I hope there's there's more for him in the future you know, going forward.
0: Yeah, I do. I must admit, I thought he was brought in to um, ultimately replace somebody, probably Quinn, especially as Quinn was on this self-destruct course this right. season. Um, I thought Anderson had been brought in early on to sort of get his feet under the table so that he wasn't a completely new face to us uh, when he did eventually sort of step forward and replace the established character, Right. But, uh, it sounds like Quinn's back next year. Whether he's back to be to go through a storyline of maybe having some sort of disciplinary or you know something of that nature. Maybe uh, that will be his side story next year. And Anderson well, stepping up.
2: Well, I, maybe, I think that uh, you know one of the things that I think I mentioned you uh, previously was that uh, was that in the past a couple of in the first couple of years there was sort of a there was a more serious tone to the to the office and to the to the uh the police station itself there was there was more of a there was more you know it, feel, it felt like you're watching adults do adult jobs and this year there was a there was a there was a moment i can't remember where i, where I pointed it down to there was a moment where it just felt like you were watching uh you know it was you're watching ridiculousness at work and it was just like you know th- this is not how detectives behave and this is not what police stations do, and and you kind of miss that, you know what I mean? The seriousness and the, and the and the way they had those first couple of years like that. Yeah. He... yeah.
3: I uh, I don't really have much to say about that, but just regarding Quinn, I think of, of, uh, an avenue that writers could explore next season is maybe Deb will have some more affinity towards Quinn now, since Quinn uh, had investigated her brother during season five. Maybe, you know, she'll start to see that Quinn wasn't exactly as crazy as she, maybe she thought he was I don't know I don't think she's going to want to actively uh, seek out to destroy her brother but uh, that could be a way for her and Quinn to get back together if the writers decided to do that without Deb I, Quinn is uh, you know as useless as a as you know anything I don't know yeah Qu- Quinn ain't gotten much to do if he's not hooking up with Deb
0: yeah he's or, been, a bit, been a bit useless this year hasn't yeah,
2: he? yeah. I hadn't forgotten all about that part of, of, of Quinn uh, investigating Dexter. How could I have forgotten that? Wow.
3: because yeah, yeah. season five sucked, and you wanted
2: to block it out of your mind. That's why.
0: <laughs> there's there's a lot that could come uh, back once she sits down. to really do think about it.
2: I don't disagree with that. It wasn't it wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. <laughs>
3: I'll go as far as to say it was absolutely the worst. I'll
2: go ahead. You don't have to say it, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'm the guy who likes season three though I'm the guy who liked the Miguel season a little oh, bit. So, dude, uh, me too mean you should me and you should hang out dude season three is my <laughs> second favorite season
3: and I feel like, yeah, uh, I, like I feel the- like the outsider because I know Gareth as well as other people that you know I could see online or a friends of mine they're like I hate I get mad when they put season three lower than season five or even on the same yeah. level they'll be like well season six was okay but at least it wasn't as bad as season three and I'm like you shut your mouth. You don't, you don't know what you're talking
0: about. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't my, wasn't my favorite in the scheme of things, but I've never rewatched it. And yeah, you're as gonna, I'm doing the you're podcast. Love it. Yeah, I mean, I'm into season two now, uh, which, which I did, I did enjoy first time round. Uh, season one is definitely my favorite. Probably wait, 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 followed wait, 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 by season. Season, four. season two was your favorite? No, season one. Oh yeah, see, you no, gotta, now you I've gotta. rewatched it. Yeah, now I've rewatched it. Uh, I, I can't really say anything bad about it. It was just f- a fantastic season of television. Mm-hmm. Uh, season three, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's fair for me to sort of wrap it think you'll now find without a rewatch. A I don't think you'll find a Oh, sorry, I lost you there, Matt. Yeah. I don't think
2: you'll find a Dexter fan who doesn't think that season one was. A fan.
0: Yeah. Oh, can you hear me now? Yep. Yeah. 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 Oh.
3: Uh, yeah, I think, uh... Yeah, season uh so one's no, the best. I, I don't think
2: you'll find a Dexter oh. fan who doesn't think that season one was their favorite, so... I, no,
3: there
2: sure are, are right. some people
3: who like season four the best, and I get confused by them.
0: But, they're out there. Yeah, we'll take away that shock ending. Would they say the same?
3: Yeah, I... I oh, man. See, we can't... We're gonna be recording for three more hours if we start talking about, uh... Seasons four and five for me. I know. That's just, I, I maybe I just always want to be a contrarian or something because yeah, like everyone loves season four so much and I don't see the love for it. I can't argue. John Lithgow was fantastic. Maybe the best guest star they've had. I don't know. But when they hold season four up to such high regard, and I think of all the lunacy that happened in that season with like his soap opera, surprise daughter and Dexter having two Thanksgivings because that seems like a good idea to anybody. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Ugh. I love season 3. We should we should start rewatching season 3.
0: Let's skip season 2. <laughs> Maybe I'll get there sometime before. The season 4 Thanksgiving
2: season. Uh, scene alone was, was worth it for me. So. Oh, oh, what was yeah. that?
0: I'm sorry. Hungry Man. The Hungry Man episode. Yeah, that bit where he drags Rachel oh, into the kitchen. That was That was stunning. That was one of the most dramatic things I've ever seen on television.
2: Listening to Dissecting Dexter. But what do I have to offer a child? Just me? Mm -hmm.
1: Demented Daddy Dexter.
0: Yeah, so uh, just to sort of bring it back to season six and the finale, um, just summing up my own thoughts uh, it, for me it was it was a mixed bag of a season it I was I was overcome with apathy at times um, but there were still some there were still enough good moments to keep me entertained throughout uh, uh-huh. the finale itself was kind of on a par with the rest of the season and like we alluded to with season 4 without the shock ending um, would we remember it as fondly uh, so the finale, without the entrance of Deb at the end there, uh, it kind of lifted it. That moment lifted the the episode above averageness, <laughs> for want of a better yeah. word. Um, again, there were some good moments. I did enjoy the that final conversation between Travis and Dexter. I thought that was good well acted mm-hmm. I thought there were some nice lines in there and lots of symbolic posturing by Dexter looking like the proper preacher at the altar
3: I um, wonder if they're going to get Colin Hanks back to be a dead body for the beginning of next episode or if maybe they'll figure out a way to like tastefully cut around him so they don't have, so they you know don't show that they didn't get Colin Hanks back yeah but I guess that's assuming they pick up the second that they uh I think you know they the are. Event. I think they've
0: got to, haven't they? Well, they? well, they should. They can't not. And I think Scott Buck said in in an interview that um, that that's the most likely beginning of next season is picking up immediately following the oh God, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was yeah. Symbolic even, I, in its own I thought that was I
3: thought that was a funny line too. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was clever.
0: Yeah, Dexter yeah. taking the Lord's name in vain. Quite ironic. Yeah,
3: it's <laughs> the only way to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i was just yeah. surprised that well, i think deb was too speechless to come out with any um humorous f-bomb yeah uh, but she certainly had a share of those throughout the season and um i'm sure i'll be playing one or two audio clips in the uh, the top five moments podcast which i hope to do in in january so uh let's let's kind of bring things to a close i, I just around you guys uh, with any sort of final thoughts on the episode or the season uh, matt do you want to go first sure uh
2: you know again i think we've covered most of the points that we've we've made a few times and what we're looking for as fans and what we're looking for in terms of um from a believability standpoint although at the same time we're watching a guy who's killing people that we're rooting for so believability is kind of out the window um you know, it was it was an okay season. I agree with you. There was there was times when when apathy just absolutely was the order of the day, and there was times when I found myself, you know, texting or, or playing Words with Friends or something on my phone as I was watching the episode because it just wasn't holding my attention like it used to. But again, it's 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 still appointment television for me. It's still something that we do love and and want to see the best of. So um you know with two years to tell the story we've worked six years to get to i guess we'll see what happens uh i have i have big hopes and i always do so it's uh it's exciting to see that we're kind of we've gotten to that point we've all talked about now now what do we do when we get there so mm-hmm. it's uh it's an exciting time very good trevis uh
3: yeah i mean i'd be lying if i said i'm not going to get the season on dvd or anything you know uh It was an alright season. Uh, I think we've said that enough. Uh, Just you know, I'm trying to think about where we go next season. I can't imagine what they're going to do, big bad wise or anything. Uh, I would hope. Now this season, they promised a return, you know, quote unquote, Oh Dexter returns to form. You know, and I I, some things that I think that they could do to maybe return to more season one form, if that's what their goal is to be stylistically wise, because the show was very. Stylistically pleasing in the beginning, uh, they could add more like Latin music or something. Uh, they don't, if you notice, like they don't really have that anymore. I think they had some Cuban song in the first episode of the season, otherwise they didn't. Uh, they don't really have a lot of dark humor, and I even noticed there's no moments of brevity, like in the in the final episode of this, or in, the fi- in the one of the final moments of this final episode when Dexter notices that Travis has his shirt on. You know, that's kind of a funny moment. Like, oh, is that my shirt? Uh, he goes, Is that my shirt? And then there's a big, like, doom, doom, like a big, kind of, like, scary music. Like, what the hell is that about? Like, what? I get, you know, this fool's knocked out and he's not going to do anything. I don't know. If they just knocked it off with this, uh, taking itself maybe too seriously, you know, Dexter used
0: to be really funny to me.
3: I don't know if I could describe the show as funny anymore, but I think you could, used to be able to
0: describe the show as funny. Yeah, it was definitely darkly, darkly humorous. Yeah. Usually, mm-hmm. um, the, the humor came from Dexter's. Uh, remarks. He's in his inner voiceover, which used to be used quite sparingly. And I've, yeah. I've talked this season that it's been bothering me more and more that we've been spoon-fed all this, all right. these remarks that we just don't need to. Like, like mm-hmm. I say, we we know Dexter well enough as a character. We we can work out what he's thinking uh, without right. being spoon-fed every every little thing. Mm. But uh, well, this season did start out on a very humorous note. You know, need I say more than Hammer Time? Right in episode one, that was great. I thought we we're in for some. I thought we we're in for a fun season, but you know that was just a flash in the pan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's have a look at who wrote that episode. Actually, I can't remember offhand uh, whether they did any more this season. It was. Pr-
3: I, I imagine it was it was it was, it, was, it was. it was. it was probably Scott Buck. I imagine. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I would assume that the you know you'd want the executive producer probably wants to write the premiere and the finale of each season, but I don't even know who wrote the finale either.
0: It was uh, Scott Buck and Wendy West. Oh right. And it was um it was Wendy West who wrote Hungry Man. And I think she co wrote or she wrote um the final episode of season four as well. Oh She's she's written some key episodes. I, I'd describe her as um part of the A team for for Dexter. So it would make sense that they'd they'd roll out their strongest they should writers for the those key episodes, the finales obviously being key episodes. Yeah. Um I know uh
3: just one last thought I have about next season about I've I've lamented over the fact that you know Dexter always has some friend that gives him some fortune cookie advice and then leaves each season. I think maybe Deb might end up being that quote unquote friend next season. I mean, hopefully the writers don't see a need to introduce another guest star that Dexter relates to or something, you know, uh he's, now certainly Deb knows his secret. I don't know. I hope she's not thrilled by it let's get some sort of you know realism in here uh if that's asking too much i don't know but i think maybe dev might be his confidant next season i don't know um i do know one thing though i can i bet you i'm gonna predict the name of the first episode of next season right now you can quote me on this i'm probably gonna <laughs> be wrong i bet you season seven episode one's going to be called something along the lines of it's all on the table, or something like that, you know? Cards on the table. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I bet you, man. I should be a Eyes Dexter writer.
2: Open. Eyes wide open.
3: Yeah, it's going to be something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be fun. Or what's going to be called? Oh, God.
0: <laughs> okay, well, um, thanks very much, guys. We've. Um, thank you. I think we've, I... I think we've done the, uh, the season... Uh, a fairly decent service going over its its highs and lows um just before we go uh, matt uh you've started a podcast since we last got together. Do you want to give a quick plug for that uh
2: sure sure it's it's not uh nearly the same as this kind of podcast. It's much more uh four guys in a basement just talking garbage but uh it's uh, hot sauce the podcast. <laughs> and it's, uh, that's, that's the name, uh, you know uh, We argued back and forth what we're going to call it And I just sort of blurred out, how about Hot Sauce? And then it became Hot Sauce the Podcast hey. Where our mom is, F your podcast But that's a whole different story
3: it's, um,
2: it's like Spaceballs the movie Yeah, exactly, so, uh, it's it's, it's uh, on iTunes, Hot Sauce the Podcast It's on Twitter, at Hot Sauce Podcast So, uh it's different. It's a lot of guys talking a lot of crap and using a lot of four letter words sometimes. So, uh, But, you know, it's got a little bit of everything. We talk about uh, famous actresses we want to m- meet, for lack of <laughs> a better word, some sports and some politics and some stories about our youth and what kind of jackasses that we were. So it's it's a little bit of everything. It's a good time.
0: Yeah, very good. Yeah, when I've um, mentioned it to people, I've described it as. Uh, four guys talking about guy stuff
2: right that's what it's that's <laughs> the aim four guys talking
0: about guy stuff yeah and, yeah you know very good uh travis uh, is there anything you want to plug or mention uh no i don't
3: uh i used to be on a podcast called gamer road podcast or something that was like a year and a half ago it was awful don't listen to it you can might be able to find it on itunes still but don't listen to it uh <laughs> otherwise now i don't you know i do little animations and stuff i'm not going to promote those uh, if anyone really is curious i am a fan of dissecting dexter on facebook if they want to add me and look at my things they can i'll add pretty much anybody so they can they can find me if they really care enough or they could you know tell me what an, an asshole i am i don't know I'm, I'm so afraid i'm an asshole on these podcasts but you tell me <laughs> i'm not gareth but i don't whenever i come up on the podcast i always skip my part i'm like no i don't want to hear myself but sorry i got nothing to promote no, well, obviously the uh, the iTunes review that mentioned you and and uh, I pro- I promised that wasn't me. I know it probably sounds <laughs> like oh Travis wrote a review for himself, but I even looked for it. Was that on, that's not on the US iTunes, is it? Um, well, I couldn't find it. You, oh, the guy's name remember. was something. The guy's name was something like Magic Jester or was something. He had some something in yeah, with magic in it. It was and on and the I UK
0: it. one. I don't it was but, either hey. US, UK, or or Canada. Hey, I got a secret admirer out
3: there. Yeah. Reach out, man! Come on, I'm on Facebook. You can find me. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, very good. I mean, I, as I say, um, I, I think your your voicemails have become a a highlight of of the podcast, and uh, I certainly look forward to hearing from you. As, as uh, uh, you always send in some very insightful stuff. And um,
3: well, thank you. Obviously, Not the it.
0: other listeners appreciate it as well from uh, the mentions that you've had. So, uh, thanks very much.
3: Thank
0: you. Okay, well, again, thanks very much, guys. Uh, Just before we wrap things up permanently for this podcast, um, again, just mention my plans uh, for the next couple of shows. Between Christmas and New Year, I have every intention, uh, time permitting, of doing a feedback, a dedicated feedback episode uh, for all the stuff you sent in for the finale. Uh, I've had a lot of emails and quite a few voicemails already, so thanks very much. Uh, Keep them coming in. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com or the listener lines in the US. It's 646-222-6122. And in the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And with the UK number, you enter mailbox number 08320 when the friendly voice prompts you. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at dissectdexter or my personal Twitter which is at gareth underscore UK and as Travis mentioned there's the Facebook page jump onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter and Bob's your uncle uh, and so that's the feedback episode hopefully next week and soon into the new year I plan to do another top five moments of the season podcast like I did for last season so uh, now we're all done uh, maybe you guys could um, jot down your favourite five moments from season six, uh, in order of preference, uh, perhaps with your nominations, you can include the episode number or the episode name, just to help me isolate the audio clips if I include them. Uh, I shall collate your votes and put together a podcast, probably in the first half of yeah, in the first half of January, and uh, we'll have a bit of fun with that by way of a, a final send-off for season six. And I'm sure some of you will say, uh, good riddance to bad rubbish. Um, <laughs> okay. So that's it. Thanks very much again to Matt and Travis for joining me tonight. Very much appreciated. And, uh, thanks to everyone for listening and your continued support. And obviously I should finish with the customary Yuletide greeting. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, then, um, I hope you have a good holiday, a good new year, and I'll speak to you very soon. So until we dissect some more Dexter, it's bye for now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold the phone. Yeah, I slept on the podcast and we had a lot of fun talking together about the season and what's been going on, the finale, what's to come and so on. Well, you know, don't you? You've just heard it. but I did feel having slept on it that we may have come across as overly negative and I blame myself for that because uh, the Travis and Matt obviously in America and the time difference it was middle of the day for them it was late at night for me and having to get up for work at six the next morning I ended up clock watching and having to kind of cut it shorter than I would have liked so we didn't go into as much as i would have liked and it's probably my fault that we didn't then go on to talk about more of the positives this season and positives specifically from the finale now we've got the top five podcasts coming up soon uh depending on <laughs> depending on how many nominations i get whether it's worthwhile uh, but uh, yes yeah, so i'll be talking more generally about the season highlights from the seasons i hope that will be a much more positive experience Uh, But I just want to quickly go through now some of my thoughts, some of the things I liked about this episode, just little things that I would normally have incorporated into one of my standard solo podcasts. So this is certainly no criticism of Travis or Matt. It's my fault. You know, I was in control of the call and, um, time got away from us really. And I had to, I had to go in the end. So, um, many apologies, Matt and Travis. Uh, in fact, Travis did email in with some, um, some further points that he'd, he'd have liked to have raised. So, um, We'll get into those in the feedback podcast next week. But for now, just quickly going through the episode, um, that opening sequence with Dexter in the sea, I did like him bobbing about there and, and thinking really only about Harrison and not being able to see him grow up, and I could empathise with that. And I like the little religious nudge as well when he got on the boat and the woman said that God's looking out for you, and his, his eyebrows sort of raised. And I thought, yeah, they're just still trying to keep that, that little theme alive there that theme of religion just keeping the seeds just sowing them in there and it obviously gave him something to think about with what he said to Harrison later on but did you notice the harpoon next to Dexter on the boat as soon as I saw it and before the man pulled the gun I thought he's going to use that (laughs) and of course he did and then we went into that scene with Travis in that house and I loved his remark there about (laughs) I can't stay here any longer I
3: can't stay here much longer if you're going to stink like that.
0: I did think he was going to torch the place when he seemed to be gathering firewood, and my wife was most concerned about the cat. (laughs) As he drove drove off, I really thought the house would explode or something. (laughs) And there was genuine tension when he went into Dex's apartment, and I like that bit. I really felt that Jamie was in real danger, and I feared for her life, and the old adage that we have on the podcast about one season guest stars yeah I thought she's about to to go And and then he picked up the hand didn't he and I was amused by the brief puzzlement on him and then he kind of just put it back in the in the box when Jamie appeared and he didn't sort of revisit it didn't think any more of it and then we saw Dexter return home and he was relieved to get back to Harrison and I did think Harrison was very cute sitting down and playing like that and I like the father son scenes here. Dexter's saying, If some god or force saved me today, I'm sure it was for you. He's really not shut off to the notion, and I like that. I think that does display some development in his character this season. We did, in the conversation just now, we talked about uh, question some of the development of Dexter uh, through some of the seasons. And I think this is just a, a little indication that there has been some. Just a reminder that there's been some in that regard with Dexter this season. And then, of course, Deb comes in, and we have the hug and the I love you, and Dexter says I love you too. And I must admit, I, as soon as he said those words, I, I felt a bit emotional.
1: <laughs> Dex. I got a report that your boat had washed ashore. I'm Okay. I'm okay. Keep calling your cell phone. There's no answer. God, you can't keep doing this to me. I've almost lost
0: you twice. I love you.
1: I love you, too. You do? Of course I do. I don't think you've ever said it before.
0: I'm a sucker for, for Dexter sharing genuine emotion. Uh, the scene with Asta last year got me, and and so did this. It was a nice little milestone for him, and it obviously, as we saw, struck a deep chord with Deb for more than one reason. So I like that. I mean, on Dexter's part, I think we can safely say it was completely and utterly just brotherly affection, nothing more, I'm sure of it. And I think if Deb ever, next season, approaches the subject of being in love with him, I still don't think he'll reciprocate. And then Dexter goes to the nursery with Harrison. And I I was amused that Dexter was still wearing his kill clothes. (laughs) And did you notice when he put on the lion mask and went, rah, to Harrison, and the little girl screams behind him, there was a very slight delay, and you see Harrison... Or the child who plays Harrison jump, <laughs> rewatch the moment. I didn't spot it when I first watched it, but when I was rewatching to make notes for the podcast, it did make me chuckle. <laughs> it really genuinely made him jump. Now, when I first watched the finale, and we saw we heard Deb's mobile phone go off, and she said there's been a double murder. And I thought, how did the call come in? And I guess it didn't matter, but uh, Colin Hanks did an interview on the Stupid for Dexter video podcast after the finale, and he did say that there was a cut scene from the finale where someone was where they there was a scene with somebody discovering the bodies and calling it in. Uh, So, and he said there were quite a few scenes throughout the season that were cut, and this made me wonder whether some of the some of the nitpickings that we've had this season, where we pick the show up on not showing this or not explaining that whether some of these cut scenes that colin hanks mentions whether they might have filled some of those gaps for us and the writers have kind of obviously for running time but (laughs) um sacrificing these scenes knowing that as viewers intelligent viewers you might be able to fill in the gaps or make certain assumptions and does it bring back the old mantra trust the show i I don't know (laughs) but i i did like him pointing that out and then in the the conference call we did talk about the Uh, The painting in the house and the police outside waiting for Dexter before going in. So we've covered that. But uh, at the end of this sequence, I did like Deb being completely uncomfortable with Dexter in the kitchen as he's taking pictures of the bodies. And she says to him, you're looking at me weird. (laughs) And he so wasn't. He was just behaving normally. He says, I'm just taking pictures. But she was almost seeing things that aren't there. She's obviously confused. And I loved her remark, let's just focus on work right now. (laughs) And I thought, well, he was. (laughs) It's Deb that's distracted. (laughs) But I liked it. He's just completely oblivious, isn't he? The end sequence on... Well, not the final sequence. The sequence on the rooftop. And the the whole Harrison abduction thing. I didn't mind that. I thought it was all very... Plausible and a nice setup. I liked LaGuerta supporting Deb and seemingly genuine about it. I did raise my eyes at raise my eyebrows at having only one officer on each rooftop, knowing that there was this dangerous man out there. Uh, you'd have thought maybe they'd have had them posted in pairs, um, but you know. Then obviously, if they'd done that, then Travis might not have been able to um, proceed with his plan, and there wouldn't have been much of a finale. <laughs> Going back to the episode title, This Is The Way The World Ends, and that T.S. Eliot poem that follows on with, Not With A Bang But A Whimper. There was tension there with Travis holding Harrison. It was okay, but I didn't seriously think they'd kill Harrison. And then the scene ends with just a punch, and I was thinking, yeah, Not With A Bang But A Whimper. But, of course, the bang was yet to come. But before we got to that, we had that little conversation with LaGuerta and Deb. And... Honestly, I found LaGuerta almost, almost, <laughs> I don't want to say redeeming herself, but I found her completely plausible with what she was saying to Deb. She was pretty realistic about it. We know she's a bitch, or can be. We know she plays a game and backstabs, backstabs when she has to or when it serves her own agenda. She's a selfish political animal, But when the department looks good, so does she, so it's in her interest to support Deb as much as she can. I did think Deb looks a bit weak though, crying on the roof and, and crying outside talking to LaGuerta. And I did like LaGuerta's words of advice there to Deb. Take control. A piece of key advice from an unlikely source. But I did find LaGuerta completely convincing and plausible there with that conversation. So then let's jump to the final scene. Because we talked about the psychiatrist business in, in the call just now with, uh, with Matt and Travis. The final scene I thought was well acted. Very well acted by both Hanks and Hall. And it was tense. I definitely had a feeling that Deb would go looking for him. And of course we knew that she knew where he was. As the car goes past. <laughs> I like Dexter posturing like a preacher. And he went into a bit, of a, a bit of a sermon, I guess, about the light and how it can't exist without the darkness. And he talked about this at the end of Nebraska, that the darkness can't exist without the light, how one defines the other. This was arguably the theme of the season, the battle between light and dark, whatever your spiritual or religious beliefs. The way Dexter spoke to Travis, it was like he was suggesting he's defined his own place in the world to provide balance, and we mentioned just now about whether he's going to become an avenging angel, but yeah, I can't see it. <laughs> but it was quite profound. And we know he's never killed for the purposes of good. He has to satisfy the dark passenger and does it according to the code. Any good that comes from it is a very handy byproduct. So I'm not sure if Dexter now believes he's going to kill for this new reason or whether this is all just guff for Travis. I, it occurred to me that maybe he was mocking him a bit, although he did seem quite serious. And then the final line. Oh, God. <laughs> How ironic. <laughs> so those were the, the sort of remaining notes I had from the episode that I just wanted to go over, and quite a few of them there were positive, and I wanted to redress the balance there, the, uh, a balance, the podcast balance, <laughs> just to kind of even things out a little bit more. But it comes back... I, I come back to Travis... And I just want to spend a couple of minutes now just talking about my thoughts on Travis. He is an enigma to me. For the first half of the season, he seemed this manipulated man, questioning what he was doing for this radical religious professor. Suspicions aside about Geller being real or not. Regardless, we could still slightly sympathise with him. Whether it was because he's mentally ill, mentally disturbed... His parents got killed, he's weak, and was maybe brainwashed into doing these terrible things. For a time, I thought he's possibly just a weak, pathetic man finding his voice to eventually stand up to Geller. And then, of course, it was clear that Geller isn't real, confirming Travis having this dark passenger he thought was Geller, but we know was just manifesting in his head as Geller. Perhaps Travis talking to him out loud was an indicator from the writers that his own condition is different to Dexter's. Once he saw Geller's body, which he obviously put there at some point himself, that wall came down as we talked about when he was engulfed by the darkness. What we don't know is whether the darkness was there from day one. It sounds like he may have yanked the car wheel to cause his parents death, but we'll never know why. Was the darkness there before that, or did he just yank the wheel for some unknown reason? Although you'd think if it was to avoid a deer or something, Lisa would have known about it. But did that double bereavement give birth to his darkness? Lisa never suspected anything. She never said he was obsessed with the Book of Revelation, or the Bible, or religion, or with Geller. Nothing to ring alarm bells. She seemed sincere when she spoke to Deb about him. So clearly he's been able to hide his darkness, or his personality disorder kept him kept them separate. I wonder if it was through Geller's teachings that his darkness was awakened and it found a purpose. It's a bit foggy, really. I didn't especially mind the change in his character midway. It made sense that the wall had been broken down, but we were left still wondering about the true nature of his darkness. Was he just a psychopath, twisting scripture? Was he a genuinely normal religious person at one time? Did he discover religion after his parents' death? I think what it boils down to is that his character doesn't make complete sense, or that we didn't get enough information on him to put his whole story together. It's no reflection on Hanks' performance. I think he did a good job. In fact, all season, I think the acting has been pretty good all round, generally. But particularly Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Carpenter, who I was very disappointed wasn't nominated for any awards this season. She really has gone on from strength to strength as an actress in the show, I think and she deserves some recognition. Hall, of course, has been nominated multiple times and has won awards, so what's she doing wrong? What's she got to do? <laughs> Elsewhere, I thought Hanks did a decent enough job. He got a bit cartoonish at times, but maybe that was largely down to how the character was written and changed towards the end. Edward James Olmers had a good, had a good presence but there have been a few people knocking his work this year and giving Hank some criticism too, which I don't agree with, but there we are. <laughs> now. I'm going to be talking more about the season as a whole when we get to the Top 5 Moments podcast in January. And obviously we'll be talking about all manner of issues in the feedback episode. So I'll not drag this podcast out any longer. But like I said, I did wake up this morning feeling like we might have come across a bit too negative in our conversation. Maybe we focused more on the negatives than the positives. And I wanted to mention some of the other stuff I enjoyed the finale because it wasn't that bad of an episode. And as I say, this is no reflection on Travis and Matt. It's my fault for um, having to rush off when I did. And and I couldn't give the recording as much time as would have been ideal. So um, apologies all round for that. But I hope this um, little summary at the end there kind of makes up for what might have been missing from the conversation. So I hold my hand up for that. Right, okay, so I'll get going now and just say, as always, thanks very much for your continued support. Thanks again to Matt and Travis for joining me yesterday. Uh, You guys did a great job and hopefully speak to you again sometime in the future on the podcast. So from me, I wish you all a very happy Christmas and I'll speak to you all next week with your feedback. So until then, when we'll dissect some more Dexter, take care guys, happy Christmas. We'll see, but um, nice to know that a couple of our, our favourite characters are getting other work, so it's yeah, you know, it's all good. Which is a bit of a trite thing to say.
1: <laughs>
0: I feel that the writers have had the fantastic opportunity to make one of the best episodes of this season. But they missed that opportunity by being so focused on Dexter having to find his dark side. Oh, pardon me. Oh. Sorry about that. Oh, that's one for the outtakes. Dare I? <sighs> They're called spoilers for a reason. But, you know, it's everyone's choice whether to look at them or not maybe next week things will, will be put into Deep pers- <laughs> back in maybe next week things will be put into perspective so really sins of omission is the next episode I think that's sins of omission not sins of emission which could be um You know. Well, that's distasteful, isn't it? I can't say that. (laughs) No fart gags on dissecting Dexter. The question is more along the lines of when will Dexter find out? I guess we'll find out when he does. Or rather, we'll find out when he does. I should read that a bit better, shouldn't I? Damn my eyes for making too many notes. (laughs) I have to admit about this scene with the girl lying there on the tiled floor. (laughs) <laughs> it looked cold. I did wonder how cold the actress must have been. <laughs> Hopefully they only did one take and saved her boobs going blue. <laughs> oh, sorry, bit of sexist humour. Excuse me. Should I edit that bit. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Lewis wasn't at the scene, but he got Dexter. No, I've got to cut that bit. I can <laughs> <Harris. laughs> Again. I do envy it. I understand it's a big payoff when it happens, but my issue is that she almost finds out every season and it's it's <laughs> it's it's Okay so I'll get well there. No. <laughs> just being